You're listening to Watching Friends on the HyperX Podcast Network. Welcome back to Watching Friends. We're back with Season 3, Episode 7, the one with the race car bed. I'm Ryan. Hear ye, hear ye. And I'm Mark. Like me, like me, tiny little doctor. <laughs> Love that line. It's great. Um, guess what, Mark? We open yet again at Central Park. Do we? We do. I mean, where else would we be? Well, um, we don't enter it, though, with uh, some talk about uh, sex and things like that. That that seems to have disappeared totally now from season one and a bit of season two. Yeah, we're not as thirsty as we used to be. No, I kind of I kind of miss those times. Oddly, like it was kind of a different kind of show. It felt like then. I get what you mean. It, it felt kind of odd to my ears going back and hearing all like the constant sex talk. Because I was like, oh wait, yeah, Friends used to be like this. Whereas, you know, from now on, it's fairly, I guess, tame in comparison yeah. most of the time. Yeah, it felt like a better word. It did feel like more mature as a, a show, perhaps. Agreed. But we are at Central Park, and Ross is telling the story about people not being able to climb on dinosaurs, no matter who your parents are. And we get a little sneak into the minds of all of our friends. So I told Carl, nobody, no matter how famous their parents are, nobody is allowed to climb on the dinosaur. But of course, this went right in one ear. I love how he cares so much about stuff. If I squint, I can pretend he's Alan Alda. <laughs> oh, good. Another dinosaur story. <laughs> one of those going to become extinct. <laughs> If I was a superhero who could fly and be invisible, that would be the best. What does Rachel see in this guy? I love Rachel. I wish she was my wife. Who's singing? Yeah, so the only reason I clipped that, Mark, was because we got to get inside Gunther's head. Yeah, it's um, absolutely brilliant. I, I love listening to all their thoughts and how they're all different, uh, especially Joey just, you know, just singing to himself. And then Phoebe goes, who's, who's that singing? Because, of course, she's the weird one who can hear other people's thoughts. Yeah, like we get this kind of, you know, in canon, in universe reference to the fact that Phoebe could be psychic. And obviously, lots of times, we you know, Phoebe's kooky and she can sense people in a pencil and gets possessed by people at weddings. Uh, but you always just assume that was Phoebe being a bit weird and just odd. Whereas now we get a, yep, yeah, Phoebe can read thoughts. Yeah, it, we don't explore this. It never goes anywhere. I, I don't like Rachel's thoughts, though. Like, she's, she's thinking Ross is very sexy and attractive with his boring story. And it's like, no, he's clearly not. She's like, I love how he cares about stuff. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, way, way to really be specific there, Rach. But um, we should get back to Gumpher. Yes, I mean, he's thinking exactly what we expect him to be thinking. And it's fantastic. <laughs> like, you, you said, what's going to be thinking right now? You know it's going to be Rachel-related. And it was Rachel-related. He wants to marry Rachel. It's adorable. 
Yeah, a little bit creepy. As my lover. <laughs> That's what I can think yeah. about. <laughs> it's just so weird, but any time we get Gunther, it makes me happy. Oh, um, definitely. But uh, that's the end of that, and we get the titles, and then we go from our, you know, favorite location of Central Park to the girls' apartment because you know we don't spend a lot of time there. Um, but everyone's there, uh, minus a Rachel, but plus a Janice, um, and they're watching TV when an advert for the Mattress King comes on, and the gang rush to change the channel. But Janice says she wants to see it, as when the divorce is finalized, half that kingdom will be hers. And you know, Janice has definitely been hanging out with Chandler. She's getting some good jokes. Yeah, definitely. So, should we listen to that? Let's have a listen. Ew, oh, it's the Mattress King. Ooh. Don't look, honey. Change the channel. Change the wait, channel. Wait, I want to see this. After I divorce him, half of that kingdom is going to be mine. Despair fills the mattress showroom. My kingdom is suddenly without a queen. I'm so depressed. I'm going to slash my prices. Check it out. <laughs> I'm going medieval on prices! What a wank! Oh, I cannot believe he's using our divorce to sell mattresses. I know! At $4.99 for a pillow top queen set, who cares about the divorce? Those babies will sell themselves. <laughs> and I'm appalled for you, by the way. I'm close, I'm cheap, I'm the king! That's a, that's a pretty great ending there. Like, I'm the king. Yeah. I mean, Monica did kind of miss the point here. Uh, but I don't really see the issue. Like, my last breakup got us a good chunk of material for this podcast, Mark. Does that make us sound bad? Well, you wasn't selling it on the fact that, was you? You wasn't like, hey, everyone, listen to my podcast because uh, it's about my breakup and this is why you should spend some money. If that would work, I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> are you proposing like a, a Patreon podcast where we uh, discuss your breakup? Yeah, but just, I just, just me crying for 90 minutes. <laughs> oh, if, if, if that brought in the money, then yeah, I don't know what to think of our listeners. It's one of my favorite phrases. It's not selling out, it's buying in. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're right. Like, you know, it's quite kind of gross. You know, he's like, oh, I'm really sad over my divorce. So like, you know, here's my, my advert sort of thing. Uh, you know, let's get some money. And it's, yes, uh, American adverts are weird though. Like anytime I've ever been to, especially for like Florida, the, the adverts are amazing because they're not like British adverts or adverts from other places around the world, which are all professionally done by big corporations. They're like the guy who has the local shop or generally the car dealership down the road. And he's filmed it with his son and there's no quality, there's no professionalism. It's just like a handheld camera and a guy like standing there just doing whatever he wants. And they're absolutely brilliant to watch. That would never get on TV in the UK. Like, just, just no. No. Like, like they have like the, the green screen and the, the graphics they put on. And the, they are exactly like this sort of advert. They're absolutely brilliant to watch. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish we had them. Like, I'd love to see like random local adverts from my area just being, you know, like... Come to this chip shop right now. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the best you get is the, the curry shop adverts in front of the cinema, but they're just like a, a single slide with just like the opening times and whatever. Yeah. Um, but back at the coffee shop, and Rachel is on the phone saying goodbye to her dad and confirming dinner plans for tomorrow. But Ross is busy falling off the Empire State Building and landing on a bike with no seat, <laughs> which, is, which is horribly vivid. Um 
But Rachel tries to tell Ross that her dad doesn't hate him. Ross isn't convinced, but Rachel talks him into it with sex bribes. I mean, yeah, that would probably work on me. <laughs> well, it just, just shows how easy it is for you. But I kind of get, get Ross at this point. Like, one, he's already met her dad and... As we've discussed, like he is not uh, the most accommodation of of guys, and certainly like he doesn't really approve of Ross. I don't think he approves of anyone really. Contrary to to uh, Rachel telling everyone about how generous he is and how kind and loving he is, like he doesn't come across like that at all. And no. yeah, like I think most most guys or even women have this, like you know your your partner's parents. You know, there's there's a a 50% chance they won't like you for whatever reason. Have you ever had uh, the parent or parents of a partner dislike you, Mark? No, the parents absolutely love me because I'm brilliant. You just you just have to act polite and do the things that you would never do at home. Like, you know, you're like, oh, would you like me to, to wash, wash up and k- take all the plates out? And they won't ever expect you to do it. No, and the, you the never majority, do it. I'm, I'm with you. The majority of parents of girls I've dated uh, have liked me, uh, apart from one. Um, her dad liked me. Her mum couldn't. Well, she liked me, but apparently I was a waste of space and had no future, which was very mixed messaging. Um, and the first time she met me, she told my ex to break up with me, which for some reason my ex told me. I don't know why, but she did. Um, but yeah, it, it was quite funny. Um, I will point out that this wasn't Jessica's family because no, Jessica's been on the podcast. You know, needed some context. It was my first ever girlfriend, actually. Uh, but yeah, it was it was very intense to know that she just didn't like me. Um, and now I'm like, ha, in your face, old lady. Yeah, I am t- now a successful host of a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, two two things there. One, you need to get her to, you know, listen to Watching Friends and tell her you've got three whole listeners. Yeah. And secondly, you know, there's the, I'm sure Rachel says this, you know, like if, if my parents liked you, then I wouldn't sort of thing. Yeah, like, you know, it's like when kids are into something and they deliberately dislike what their parents were into just to be rebellious. Oh. So they're kids. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can, it can be a very big deal for people in relationships if their parents don't like the person they're dating. For the most part, I don't give a hoot. Um, my family hated that girlfriend, actually. Like, absolutely hated her. But I didn't find out until after we'd broken up. Um, I guess it depends how close you are to your family. Like, how often they're going to see your family or you're going to see their family if it becomes an issue? I mean, I only found it after the fact um, because whenever we would do like a family function and it was an event, they would ask me if, if she was coming, which I always took as, oh, that's nice. They're, you know, trying to include my partner. And then that relationship ended and I got with Jess. And then Jess was just included by default. There was no, there's no question of is Jess coming? It was just, yep, yeah, we've booked a table for Jess as well. And I'd be like, oh, and then it was only then that I realised, look at that distinction, Ryan. But that was a horrible relationship anyway, so it's a good thing it ended. Um, But still, enough about my love life. We talk about that enough a lot as it is. We do. Uh, Joey enters, and he's very excited. He's booked a job. He's teaching acting for soap operas at the learning extension. I don't know what that is, Mark. Well, they they do say, you know, those who uh, can't do teach... True. I mean, I don't know if Joey can do either of those things, but <laughs> we'll find out. Um, yeah, I, I assume it's some kind of night college, and you know, from the context we get later on, it's basically what it is. Um, but the learning extension is such a weird phrase; it, it, it doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, 
And then Ross informs Joey that he's probably not allowed to sleep with any of his students. Uh, Joey claims he knew this, but I don't know, his face looks a little disappointed to me, Mark. Well, is, is he not allowed to? Like, you would assume if he's doing this sort of teaching job, it is like an adult nighttime college thing. And, you know, he's not an accredited teacher. He's just someone who has knowledge who can teach this aspect of it. So it's not I like mean, where Ross is sleeping with his students. So I feel that that's probably a little bit different, right? I mean, I think it's frowned upon in general as a, you know, like a kind of hierarchical thing, hierarchical thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, you're in a position of power and authority. So it's it's problematic. So I think it's probably frowned upon. I don't think in Joey's case, like you said, it would be like a sackable offence type thing, whereas in Ross's, it certainly would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we then go shopping for a bed. I don't know, Monica. It feels funny just being here. I mean, if you buy a bed from Janice's ex-husband, that's like betraying Chandler. Not at these prices. <laughs> You know, in England, this car would be on the other side of the store. <laughs> Whoosh! Oh. Oh. Uh, Phoebe, come here. Oh, this is my new bed. You gotta feel this bad boy. Ugh, Monica, it still feels so weird, you know? Chandler's your friend. Oh. <gasps> oh, my God! <laughs> All right, take this bed. You can make other friends. All, all the yummy noises they're making while lying on the bed. Yeah, they definitely sounded different without the visuals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but again, Mark, I know it's a big deal here. Just buy the bed, save some cash. Why would Chandler even care? I, I kind of get it. It feels like you're going behind your friend's back to support someone else. But you're right. Like They're, they're just buying a bed. And if he is cheaper than anywhere else, then why, like, harm yourself, that little thing? It doesn't really matter, does it? Plus, you know, Janice is going to get half of that money anyway. Exactly. Like, you know, you're technically you're helping by getting Janice more money in the divorce. Yeah, you're not just going to give Janice money, are you? You need to get some out of it, and you get a bed. Yeah. Um, we then join, not Joey, Mark, we join Mr. Tribbiani uh, as he's teaching his first class. Uh, it's clear from the start that Joey teaches about as well as he acts, to be honest. Uh, but his class seemed to dig it. Um, but then he tells them that in order to be in a soap, some of them will have to become much more attractive. <laughs> I mean, he's probably not lying there, right? No, he's not. Um, but just, I'm just like, how how does Joey propose they go about doing that? <laughs> what do they need to do to get you know soap opera pretty? Yeah, this is great. Uh, but the next morning, we're at the girls' apartment as Joey enters, and Phoebe asks how teaching went, and he tells her it's great. Because he gets to use the old cliche, hey, the bell doesn't dismiss you, I dismiss you. Which is something teachers in my school said all the time, but it was, it was more softly. It was, the bell is sick enough for teachers, not students. As you know, we'd all roll our eyes and get up anyway. And, um, and, you know, you get told off by the next teacher, but like, why are you late? Where were you? Like, well, the last teacher kept me. Like, it seemed to, to only work one way. Yeah, it, it was... I know, my teachers are just... I mean, I don't envy them because they have a very difficult job and I guarantee I would be struck off for probably backhanding a child. Oh, I thought we were going to go a different direction with that. No, I just, I know there'd be some like cocky 15-year-old who would get in my face and I'd, I'd lose my temper because, you know, nowadays kids aren't scared of consequences and I'd be like, oh, I'll give you consequences. Um, but, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, it, I like that though. I like that Joey gets to have a nice cliche teacher moment. You know, even his first, his first, you know, session. It's I am cool. surprised that he wasn't wearing. Uh, is it is it a suede jacket with leather elbow patches? Yep, the good old Giles jacket. Yeah, I could imagine him just doing that to to really fit the part. You know, part part of his acting really. It's true, uh, but Joey also tells Phoebe's that he's got an audition for All My Children, which is essentially like the the competition to days of our lives um, but this news is cut short by a knock on the door oh dum da da dum hear ye hear ye delivery from the mattress key <laughs> you miss Geller okay signed here ooh do I have a middle name alright Monica Falula <laughs> Geller it's that bedroom there. Hey, Monica bought a bed from the Mattress King? Yeah. So please, please, please don't say anything to Chandler. You want me to lie to Chandler? Is that a problem? No. Oh, hey, hey, Nick the Boxer. Let's see what you got. Yeah. All right, yeah, put him up. Come on. Hey, you're, uh... You're pretty good at this. Yeah, well, I had to learn. I was staying at the Y, and some of the young men weren't acting Christian enough. Uh. <laughs> hey, now. Hey! Ow! Huh. And I'm bleeding. Oh. Oh. Okay, great. Wow, and I'm a vegetarian. Huh. <laughs> all right, all right, well, I'm sorry. We'll put some ice on it. Okay. Put your head back. All right. Oh. I can't see. All right, have you? Oh, God. Which bedroom do you want it in, Miss Geller? Oh, it's, um, it's the compulsively neat one by the window, okay? Gotcha. <laughs> okay, so before we get into this clip, uh, there's a bit right at the very start where Phoebe just makes up a middle name for Monica. Yeah. And it reminds me of uh, whenever I send money to friends, I always put like something stupid in the reference. And... Uh, you know, it could it could potentially go bad at some point when, you know, when they go to the bank looking for their mortgage and the bank is going through it all and it's like, why has Mark sent you ten pounds? And there is something a little bit dodgy in the in the preference there. Yeah. But uh, that, it is that, fun making it out. Which <laughs> like people have been like, ten pounds for like lots of drugs or whatever. Yeah. And it just looks suspect to some mortgage lender. But yeah, um, it's, I mean, it's it's funny the the middle name she comes up with for Monica. The Lula. <laughs> it's just, it sounds like some exact Flanagan with a date in, in Futurama. Well, it's, it's just the way she's like, do I have a middle name? Yes, I do. For Lula. <laughs> yeah, luckily, from the way the delivery guy goes, hear ye, hear ye, you can tell he doesn't really care about his job, so I <laughs> don't think he's that fussed about who's actually signing for it. No, because I, I wonder if she said, no, I'm not Monica, if they would have taken it back, and maybe she's, she's house-sitting for the delivery. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a weird bit in this clip. Um, where they're talking about boxing and Phoebe says that she learned when she was staying at the Y and some of the men weren't acting Christian enough, um, which I really like and find really funny, even though it's horribly kind of dark and suggestive at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I, to me, it's a weird thing for Phoebe to reference is she's never, you know, presented as like traditionally religious. So, it's, you know, I guess it's just a joke, but it, yeah, it just it just entertained me but then was a bit ooh that's a bit suspect at the same yeah, time yeah it's a bit this this whole scene goes a bit weird right yeah I mean occasionally the writing in TV shows gets ridiculous and Friends is no exception um, but right here is one of those moments like they missed they missed the wrong bed being delivered because Phoebe's punched Joey in the nose and they're busy dealing with the bleeding like we're friends Mark 
But we don't just randomly start punching each other. No, but I do like the idea of uh, wrapping you in cling film and just like hitting you with two by fours and stuff like that, <laughs> which is what Joey gets up to in a later episode. It's slightly worrying. That won't be on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the way you like, oh, you know, you you hit me, like. You know, Joey knows how to, to box in it, but yeah, it's, it is weird going up to someone and just being like, oh, we're just going to punch each other now. Well, I mean, obviously Joey's not expecting to actually get punched because when the first jab hits him in the nose, he's like, ah, hey, and he's very much like, what the hell? And no, it's, it's Phoebe. Him. Like, she, she's definitely, she knows her stuff. Yeah, and then before he can even recover from the first jab, a second one comes in. But, you know, it technically is his fault. He should have had his guard up. Should have done, yeah. But let's leave all that violence behind, Mark, and take an advert break. Class is back in session, and HyperX has the grade-A gear you need for dorm life, remote classes, and for schooling folks online. Shop the HyperX back-to-school deals going on now at HyperX.com to help make your return to student life a breeze. Comfortable cloud headsets can keep you focused in as you cram for finals with some lo-fi beats, and stay productive with lightweight Pulsefire mice, responsive alloy keyboards, and more. Keep your GPA and your KDA high with HyperX products and accessories. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell, around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games, that's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000, now part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Class is back in session, and HyperX has the grade-A gear you need for dorm life, remote classes, and for schooling folks online. Shop the HyperX back-to-school deals going on at HyperX.com to help make your return to student life a breeze. Comfortable cloud headsets can help keep you focused in as you cram for finals with some lo-fi beats and stay productive with lightweight pulse fire mice, responsive alloy keyboards and more. Keep your GPA and your KDA high with HyperX products and accessories. Come on in, take a seat, what are you having? Well, of course I've heard of Hair at the Dogcast. That's the podcast that talks about video games and beer. For all of the latest gaming headlines, craft beer reviews, retro games, modern games, series retrospectives, console studies, and on occasion, extremely hungover discussions on the lore of Kingdom Hearts, make sure to check out Hair of the Dogcast, part of the HyperX Podcast Network. You know, people dying on, on hospital tables and, you know, the fact that he works with dinosaurs and they're already dead. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess if someone's decided to not like you, you know, because you're dating their daughter, you know, there's there's no joke in the world you're going to be able to crack really that is potentially going to fix that. No. But things do not start well. Um, Ross makes some pretty average jokes, like we said, and they do not land well. Um, we've got a clip, but warning, it is a very long one. Oh, this is a long one. So, Doctor Green, how's the old boat? They found rust. You know what rust does to a boat? Gives it a nice antique look. <laughs> Rust is boat cancer, Ross. Well, I'm sorry. When I was a kid, I lost a bike to that. <laughs> Excuse me for a moment, will you please? I want to say goodnight to the Levines before we go. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh-oh. 
I think your dad must have added wrong. He only tipped like 4%. Yeah. <clears throat> That's daddy. That's daddy? What, doesn't it bother you? You're a waitress. Yes, it bothers me, Ross, but, you know, if he was a regular at the coffee house, I'd be serving him sneezers. So? So, uh, Ross, I bugged him about this a million times. He's not gonna change. Do you really serve people sneezers? <clears throat> well, um, I don't. All right, kids, ready? Yes. Let's Thanks again, it. Dr. Green. Uh-huh. <sighs> Oh, wait, 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 wait. I think I forgot my receipt. Oh, uh, you don't need that. <clears throat> Why not? The, the carbon, it's messy. <laughs> I mean, it gets on your fingers and causes the, the uh, night blindness. <laughs> what is this? Who put a 20 down here? Huh? Oh, yeah, that would be me. Um, <laughs> I have... I have a problem. I, I tip way too much. Way, way too much. It's a sickness, really. Yeah, it is. It is. We really, really have to I do know, something. I know. Excuse me. You think I'm cheap? Oh, Daddy, no, he didn't mean huh? anything by that. He really didn't. Nothing I do means anything, really. <laughs> this is nice. I pay $200 for dinner, you put down 20 and you come out looking like Mr. Big Shot. You really want to be Mr. Big Shot? Oh. Here, I'll tell you what. You pay the whole bill, Mr. Big Shot, all right? So, yeah, Ross manages to do it again straight away with the joke about, you know, he lost a bike to uh, Rust. Yeah, I think that joke's hilarious, to be honest. That joke, I was like, you know, almost my joke. It's not, but it's very close. That, that's definitely like Ross's humour. And, yeah, Mr. Green is never going to turn and go, actually, no, that was quite a good one. He's going to be upset. Like, he, he doesn't seem the type who enjoys humour of that kind. No, he. I think Mr. Green loves his boat the way Jerry loves his cardboard boxes shaped like a Ferrari. Yeah. Or a Porsche. It's a Porsche, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely a Porsche. Because he goes I'm not Porsche. a car person. No, yeah. Just... You're not a car person. <laughs> just... Oh, dear. Uh, uh, have they both got horses on? I don't know. Um, I think they do. Porsche and Ferrari both have horses. Yeah, I think we should, we should move on. <laughs> this is not top gear no. it's, it's watching friends I mean this is super awkward but I feel like at this point if you're Ross you're just better off saying you know what convention is to tip X percent and given that your daughter's a waitress I thought you'd be more empathetic uh, just you know just don't just challenge because you've been caught already you know, well, it's too late now the horse has bolted there's no use locking the gate just just commit and even if you upset him at least as a as a you know as a person, he can be like, oh well, you know, Ross stood by his principle, and that may have a positive impact. It may not, but at least then you know your girlfriend's dad knows that you stand by your convictions rather than being flippy floppy and lame. Well, this is where it it's odd for Mister Green. He has no issue putting down two hundred dollars for food, free people, which seems quite a lot. So it's a fancy place, and then he doesn't put any tip down in a society where tips are kind of expected. And then he gets upset yeah. when, when Ross does that. Now, okay, he's not putting any money down, but Ross isn't the hero in this case. If if Ross becomes the hero, so well, Mr. Green, what what were you then by not doing it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, obviously, in, in Britain, tipping isn't the same culture as you have in the States, which we, we've discussed many times. Um, but I only tip when I get very, very good customer service. I have to feel like they've gone beyond their role to warrant a tip because our labor laws don't suck as badly as Americans. Um, but 
I mean, it does get expensive when you're in the states, and you you know you you've got a ten to twenty percent minimum tip on stuff, and you're like, well, okay, I've just had a burger and fries twice, and it's costing me you know a good chunk of that meal back. It it, it isn't cheap to eat in New York or America when you know you need to tip that much, especially when the service has been subpar and you've had to teach the staff how to make tea. No, and if uh, if one of my friends wants to put a tip after the meal, then good for them. Like they're, they're welcome to do it. I don't feel offended because I didn't want to tip that, and they have. No, I mean we do have a friend that loves to over tip um, in every situation. He no doesn't understand how. percentages. <laughs> no, he just basically just puts a note down of some of some, of some denomination. Oh, oh, I have a fifty in my pocket. Down it goes. <laughs> But, but it's funny because I think he does it and sometimes he expects it it's going to like shame us into tipping and we go that's that covered because it's normally such a large amount that putting any more down would just be ridiculous yeah um, but yeah that's quite funny um, maybe I'm going to start calling him Mr Big Shot from now on and see, see if he can <laughs> work out what uh, but we're back in class with Joey and he's explaining his many and varied techniques for acting um, he dismisses the class but then one of the students stays behind to inform Joey that he's got an audition and asks if Joey would coach him, which is, you know, really exciting. Joey's student has an audition. Yeah, like, well done him. Like, you know, Joey maybe have helped in that, right? But it, it's not quite as happy as, as it might seem, is it, Mark? No, it's, uh, <laughs> it takes a bit of a turn. Turns out that Joey's student is auditioning for the exact same part that Joey was going for in All, My Ch- All Our Children. Um... That that was kind of suck when you realise that you're competing against, you know, someone you're mentoring. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's tough, right? It's the same when you go for like a job interview and your friend's going for it, and it's like you you want your friend to to get it, but not at the expense of you. Especially as Joey does not earn a lot, and he's having to do this job to to just get by. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a tough one, but at the same time, you know, things come up in life to challenge your character, Mark. And uh, we'll see later on how Joey chooses to handle it. Yep. Uh, but now Ross and Rachel are arguing about what I dubbed Tipgate um, as they get home. And they find an anxious Phoebes who has one important question. Does Monica still turn the light on in her room? Rachel confirms that she does. And Phoebe is screwed. All right, look, here's the bottom line, Ross. This is fixable if we act fast, okay? So I'll invite him to brunch tomorrow and you can make nice. Look, honey, I have tried to make nice. It doesn't work. Okay, look, Ross, I realize that my father is difficult, but that's why you have got to be the bigger man here. Look, sweetie, I could be the bigger man. I could be the biggest man. I could be a big, huge, giant man, and it still wouldn't make any difference, except that I could pick your father up and say, like me, like me, tiny doctor. Okay, well, can't you just try it one more time, Ross? For me, for me. Rachel, one brunch is not going to solve anything. You've got to face it, okay? We're never going to get along. Okay, well, you are just going to have to, okay? Because I've already got a mother and a father who cannot stay in the same room together, okay? I don't want to have to have a separate room for you, too. Okay, okay. I'll get the bagels. So, yeah, (laughs) they're never going to get along. But, you know, Ross and Mrs. Green will get along, right? You know, until Rachel spelled it out, I didn't really see why them getting along was such a big idea, a big you know, big deal, like I mentioned earlier. But Rachel gets upset and explains, you know, the situation. I kind of forgot that the parents had got divorced and, you know, how big a deal that was for her. And then I felt really bad for her and was like, okay, you know, I'd get the bagels too in that situation. Because, you know, she she is very upset. And I'm like, okay, fair, I, I get why. I can make more of an effort with your really annoying, obnoxious dad. 
But then she also needs to have a word with him and say, look, you need to put in the effort as well. Yeah, I always find that weird when it's always, it's always like the partner's responsibility to fix a situation when you could just be like, dad, stop being a tool. Yeah. Like, if you don't like Ross, fair enough, but you could at least be respectful. I could get with Chip again, if you like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then Monica gets home as Phoebes is trying to hide the evidence, which is just, just classic Phoebe. Just, yes, I will move a big screen in the way of the thing Monica's going to lie on in about two hours. Um, but she doesn't do a good enough job. And uh, Monica spots the bed and she's very upset. Um, and as they're looking at it and discussing it, Chandler comes in and just starts ribbing Monica left, right and center about the car um, bed. And what I love about it is somehow <laughs> Monica admits to wetting herself to explain why the bed's covered in plastic. That's some <laughs> commitment there, right there, Mark. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, that is right. Like, that's not something you really want to admit. I mean, I like, but shopping at the Mattress King will upset him so much. I'll admit to being incontinent. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's very, very odd. It's, it's kind of sweet. Like, yes, I will let my friend think I wet myself, just so, just to spare his feelings. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, you shouldn't fib to your friend. But I do admire the commitment on you know Phoebe and Monica's part. Yep. And then we join Joey and his student. As Joey's student, he's putting on a acting masterclass. But Mr. Tribbiani had a plan. You told him to play the boxer gay? <laughs> well, I, I might have said super gay. <laughs> you totally screwed him over. Joey, you're this guy's teacher. I mean, how could you do this? Because, Monica, the guy's so good, and I, I really, really want this part. Well, if you really, really want it, then it's okay. Right, Mark, would you do this? What's your stance? Um, for some reason, Mark, my first thought was that, yes, you would do this, but I have zero basis <laughs> for thinking that. I don't, like, my brain just went, I, I thought the question, and then, like, a voice in my mind went, of course Mark would do this. He wants to win. But I don't know why I thought it. I, I, no. I'm not a particularly competitive person. But I am. I am absolutely upset and and mortified that you'd think this of me. No, I would not like go out of my way to say play it gay <laughs> to someone to win. First off, secondly, no, like you know, if I was going up against the same role, like I'd just be like, well, oh, how can I be better? I wouldn't try to to sabotage them. I might not necessarily help them. But I wouldn't go out of my way to, to sabotage them in, in some way. And cer certainly not in the, the way Joey kind of, in his typical fashion, not thinking it through of like, oh, what's the easiest thing to get them to fail? Oh, play it gay. Yeah, that, that, that will be funny, won't it? Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's jokes like this where some of the younger audience that are now watching Friends for the first time get a little bit upset about the show not being woke enough for, you know, a hideous internet phrase. Well, like, you, you can understand in, like, the early 90s, like, yeah, you probably would not play a random character as gay because the scene doesn't call for that. Like, if there was going to be uh, a non-standard person, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, like, in a, in a TV show, they're, they're generally quite obvious about it in terms of the writing. They don't, yes. they don't tend to change it, right? At the time, like, your, your standard gay character in TV was Jack from Will and Grace. Um, that that was the gay character, and that's what they all acted like. So you know, you wouldn't have a, a like a masculine boxer sportman. He'd be manly, and like all the ladies would want him. Um, so yeah, I get the logic of the time, even if it's you know stupid. 
whereas now I feel like you can have that kind of inclusivity and in, in some ways it doesn't matter to the character. Like he could play the character as gay and it, you know, in terms of the storyline, it has no effect. It just, they just happen to be a gay character just like in real yeah. life. Yeah. It's like if, if a kind of, it's a sexuality, gender or, you know, race is, is a character trait. You, you're doing something wrong in the writing of your show, unless your show is specifically about, you know, the struggle of dealing with some of those themes. Like if you're watching a show like Star Trek, um, which, you know, is set in the far future and kind of all kind of social strife has essentially disappeared. Um, and suddenly it's a really, really important deal to the show. And it's constantly mentioned that, you're, you know, your character is a non-binary uh, person of color who is pansexual. And if you're constantly harking on about it, it's like, really, what are you doing? Like that, that's just terrible writing at the end of the day. It doesn't need to be a focal point. No. Um, but more importantly, it's very morally wrong for that to happen. Yeah, and, and, you know, Joey does it in his typical fashion, just quickly thinking up something silly and just goes for it. So, yeah, it is. No, I, I would not do this to someone. Like, if me and you were going for the same role, a uh, job somewhere, I wouldn't sabotage. You wouldn't go up to them and be like, hey, uh, Ryan steals things. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't, but I don't know why my brain decided you would. Um, I was trying to work out if I'd do it. And I was like, I definitely wouldn't sabotage them. I, and I'm like, would I help or would I not help? And then I realized that I would definitely help because my brain would get too neurotic about getting the role if I didn't help. And I'd be like, well, I only got it because I didn't help that person and I've kind of won by default. And that's that's not how you want to win. You want to win because you're the best. Yeah. Which means I'd probably be unemployed. But... Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you have to look after yourself. It's fair. Um, but we leave Sabotage, Mr. Triani, and go back to the girls' apartment. And Mr. Green arrives... Uh, and he's still a huge tool, making snarky comments at Ross. Uh, but then he spots Ross rubbing his neck. Ross? What's with the neck? He's got this thing, and I keep telling him to go to my chiropractor. You're still going to that chiropractor? That man couldn't get into med school in Xtapa. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's what I keep saying. Excuse me. <clears throat> Dr. Bobby happens to be an excellent doctor. Oh, wait a minute. His name is Dr. Bobby? <laughs> Well, that's his last name. And his first name. He's Bobby Bobby? <laughs> it's Robert Bobby. Oh. <laughs> and, um, excuse me, he helps me. Oh, please, ask her how. What do you need help for? With my alignment. I got one leg shorter than the other. Oh, my <laughs> God. Argue with that. What? It's true. My right leg is two inches shorter. Come on, you're just tilting. <laughs> her legs are fine. I know that. So what do you let her go to a chiropractor I'm for? Sorry, let her. What can I do? She doesn't listen to me about uh, about renters insurance either. Wait a minute. You don't have renters insurance? <laughs> no. <clears throat> but what if somebody steals something? How are you going to run after him with one leg shorter than the other? <laughs> <laughs> hey, would you uh, would you like some juice? I'd love some juice. Okay. <laughs> Wow, this is going so well. Did you see us? Did you see? Yeah, honey, I'm standing right there. <laughs> Why don't you just tell him about the mole? I haven't gotten checked yet. Excellent. Yeah, such a great dad joke from uh, Dr. Green there. Yeah, it's this, this whole scene is fantastic. Um, I, I, I almost need... He's Bobby Bobby as a ringtone of some sort. <laughs> because he, he, he's so incredulous. He's just, it's amazing. 
Um, and and sometimes this does happen in, in life where, you know, two people don't get on and then somehow you share a joke or a connection in some way. And I and I think for, for Dr. Green, it's basically he doesn't like being laughed at or, or, you know, having the mick taken out of him or whatever. And so where Ross is like, you know, ganging up on Rachel with him, suddenly they have this common interest. Yeah. Um, I mean, the plan definitely backfired on Rachel, but... I almost think it's kind of sweet in a in an old school way that when Rachel's dad is like, "Why are you letting her go to say that quack for?" type thing, and Rachel's like, "Let me." Um, I, it's it's very much kind of old school kind of dad thinking of you know my daughter's boyfriend should protect her and look after her, and I don't think Doctor Green means it in like a belittling, controlling way. I think he means it in a, "Oh my God, why aren't you looking after my daughter properly?" type thing. It's a protective thing. Yeah, I think it's kind of sweet. Um, but yeah, sometimes, you know, throwing, throwing jibes and, you know, teasing the a third party, in this case, you know, your girlfriend or his daughter. Uh, it is it is good to bond over a laugh, to be fair. Um, in it, you know, having a laugh's great together. So, you know, if you can make the, the, the family of your partner laugh, you basically, you basically saw it, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, but Joey confesses his sins to his class uh, and we get the revelation that people liked his student more, that the casting people liked the student more. Uh, and now he has a two-year contract. But Joey's stuck here teaching a bunch of people, most of whom are too ugly to even be on TV. <laughs> I know, that's such a great line. Like, he's so upset. He doesn't care what he says anymore. He's just going to be truthful. Yeah. And it should be awful. Like, the, the class should be mortified. But they all think it's kind of, you know, the, part of a lesson as part of a performance. And Joey gets a round of applause. Seriously, Mark, this is so meta. Joey is teaching a room full of Joeys. <laughs> Definitely. Like, the, the way he's like, oh, actually, yeah, I like this approval. I don't normally get that. So, you know, I can, I can act. I can definitely do it in this moment when it's real and not acting. It, this reminded me of a scene in Wayne's World. Have you seen Wayne's World? Not for a long time. There's the part where Wayne and Cassandra were chatting and he's like, and they tell their friends and they tell their friends and so on. And so on until, like, you know, everyone in the world knows. And I imagined, like, casting agents in New York who would see terrible actors who aren't believable as human beings. Um, and they'd look and be like, they went to the Tribbiani School of Acting. And then, like, there's just this weird people, like, you know, Tribbiani taught them and then they taught more people and they taught more people. And before all of the actors in New York suddenly used the terrible Tribbiani method, you just can't cast anyone in New York City. And then all you have is, like, jazz hands everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But it's great. It's just it's ridiculous, um, and we're nearly at the end of the episode, Mark. But we've got one more important piece of business, and that is Monica needs to return the car bed. Uh, may I help you? Yes. Hi. I talked to you on the phone. I'm the lady who got stuck with the race car bed. Look, it's like I told you. There's nothing I can do. You signed for it, Monica Falula Geller. <laughs> All right, Jester man. Look, we want to see the king. Nobody sees the king. <laughs> okay, I'm talking to the king. Hey, you can't go back there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, another oh, my God, which is always great to hear. Uh, and this one is, you know, you're right there with Janice saying, oh, my God, because what the hell? Yeah. Just 
just poor Chandler. Like, especially after, you know, he's broke through the wall, gone for commitment. You know, this is going to set him back quite a bit, right? Yep. Damn it, Janus. I was rooting for her this time. Mark, romance sucks. We should just get rid of it. And what would you replace it with? Uh, platonic hugs, like in the previous episode, where Chandler just appreciates the towel. Like, like uh, I, I've only seen it on TV. Louis Farouk did a documentary about it. Uh, the, the little cuddle meetups where people just meet up to cuddle for a few hours. Well, that sounds creepy. Oh, it, it definitely uh, had some vibes to it, but yeah, it sounded uh, interesting. You, what, you just go into a room and hug a stranger? Yeah, just everyone just goes and hugs each other. That's not comforting. That's probably the least uncomfortable. I can't even talk. That's a such a horrible idea. Yeah, you, sh- but, you should go and watch the, the Louis Farouk documentary on it. I think it's one of his like, weird weekend ones. But what if they're weird or smelly? I assume they probably are. Like, is there a standard? Like, do you have to, like, are there different ratings? Like, you go to, like, A star hugging class and everyone's, you know, attractive and clean and smells nice. And then if you go to, like, a D tier one, everyone's slovenly and got, like, you know, crumbs on their face. You probably, this, have, this is a... probably have to work your way up to the A tier, right? This, this, no, I feel like you'd have to audition and you get graded and then, you know, your self esteem would fall through the floor. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I've gone so deep with this, but the, I'm physically cringing at the idea of turning up to a room of people I don't know and, and hugging any of them. Sadly, I do think you might end up in the D tier. That's just, I mean, I mean, there's no crumbs in my beard at the minute, I don't think, but who knows. I, I think they'll just take one look at the beard and just be like, the D tier. He, he, I can't even, you know, I can't smell him from here, but he probably smells. That's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just your way of getting revenge from my saying that you'd sabotage an actor. You're like, you're a smelly, beardy D tier person, Ryan. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to have to watch the documentary now because it sounds god-awful. But, I mean, uh, no. Surely there's like a conversation, a cup of tea before you get down to the hugging. Uh, I don't know. It's it's just one of those weird things that people do. But I guess uh, I guess they're much needed, right? There's got to be like a lead-in. Uh, so how would you feel, Mark? We were at Friends Fest and, you know, one of our like four fans decides to some say hello and they run at you and immediately hug you. They don't even ask. They're like, Mark! And then they hug you. Would you be okay with it? I, I think that's a bit different when it's, uh, when it's a fan who supports us on the Patreon for the, the £20 a month tier and they run at you. I think you just have to have to take it, right? And just be like, yep, just going to hug them for this moment. And it's not so going to be 10 saying, minutes. So what you're saying is if they pay you, they can touch you. <laughs> um, I don't think we want to quite put it that way but no, if, if someone ran at you and just hugs you I think that's a bit different than you know you'd be like hi there you know, I'm Mark are you ready to cuddle I mean you but okay yeah exactly right. but, but get, getting back to Janice uh, you know yeah it sucks right but she has a child this man she has a marriage with this man she has history with this man uh, you know, it's gonna be. It's always gonna be a little bit different, right? Yeah, but it's still no excuse. Um, no, it's not. I'm... But at the same time, like I feel like the the show has kind of glossed over, you know, her having a kid and being married. Like there's like a, a brief moment where there's a scene with her and the child in a previous episode, and there's the scene when they're talking online and she mentions she's she's getting divorced and stuff. But it's kind of like to Chandra, especially, it's not a big deal. And they don't kind of be like, hey, look, they're dating. And, you know, she has this other family going on. It does. It's almost acted as if she is completely single. So 
that's probably where this becomes more shocking because you're not really thinking, actually, this was all still going on in the background anyway. That's a fair point, to be fair. Yeah, we do, we do miss out a lot of the detail. Um, I mean, I guess it, to me, an, an explanation isn't an excuse. Um, no. It's just... She could have had some self-control. Yeah, I just wonder what would have happened if, you know, she hadn't been busted. Would this have been something she brought up to Chandler and said, oh, by the way, I accidentally kissed the king, you know, I kissed the king again. Um, or would, you know, she have left Chandler for the Mattress King, or would she just have never mentioned it? I feel like Janice would have said, look, this we, we can't date anymore because I still have feelings for my husband, blah, blah, blah. Wherever she went into detail, I don't know. So we're giving Janice, you know, the benefit of the doubt, I guess, in terms of being a better person about the situation. Yeah, I, I feel like she would be. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing there, to be fair. She, she's not. This, this happened, and um, it's regrettable, but I don't think like she was ever being malicious about it. No. Um, although maybe we just like characters that don't appear that often. No, I think Janice, like, all throughout, like, especially with Chandler, she's always been wanting honesty from him, and she's always been honest, way too honest in return, right? Like, certainly with Joey, she she knows how Joey feels and, you know, tries to tries to fix things and act on it. I don't think she's conniving or hides any details at all. No, but bless. Chandler was, you know, he was through the tunnel, he was committing, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, and he's going to see that as blown up in his face, sadly. Bless him. Poor Chandler. Um, but that's the end of the episode. Um, and it's an incredibly fast-paced one. Yeah, like, you, if you forget about the race car bed, which only ha- has, like, a, a, a few tiny moments, but it's probably the, the biggest part of the episode. Uh, the only other stuff in there is, like, Mr. Green and Ross, and that's kind of more forgettable than the red race car, uh, race car bed. Yeah, I mean, technically we've left out the uh, little sting at the end where Chandler's enjoying the race car bed. I think then, I would be too. Yeah, and then Rachel kicks <laughs> kicks him out of the apartment and he's upset that his bed's boring. Um, but yeah, there's like a lot happens, but all very quickly and it's all very contained. So there is, there's not a lot of room to elaborate on it. I mean, we know we love a tangent on uh, the show, but in this episode, there's not much tangent material either. It's, it surprised me how quickly this one flew by. Yeah, it's not the funniest of episodes. Uh, there's certainly not as many laughs as the previous ep- episode. Uh, this is more kind of world building and, and Ross Rachel storytelling relationship stuff. Yes, I mean, I appreciate these episodes because obviously we've had a lot of kind of, you know, Ross and Rachel, will they, won't they, uh, in the previous season. And soon we get so, so, so much more intense Ross and Rachel drama that i you know, I quite appreciate the just the smooth sailing that we get for a little bit. They're all happy being together, and Rachel is way too into Ross, who, uh, you know, has his uh, has his quirks, I guess. I mean, you know, sometimes that happens. You know, you're into someone, and you you just you like everything about them, and you know, it may not make sense to anybody else, but you know, while your while your heads are in the clouds, that's where that's where you're at. And that's probably a great way to end the episode as well. That's fair. Well, thank you for joining us once again. Oh, yeah, you're, you're welcome, Ryan. I, I like being here. Even if I suggest that you're sabotage people. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you say this a lot, I've noticed, over the last few episodes. You'll be like, Mark, this is a thing I think about you, but I don't know why. And I'm like, always upset that you think the worst of me. 
Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't think the worst of you, but you're running your own business. So in my mind, like you're you're like more competitive and ruthless because you run a business, um, even though you're not ruthless at all. No, the the, be- <laughs> the best businesses only think about themselves because as soon as you start thinking about your competitors and the way to spend time sabotaging them, you're spending less time making yourself better. I like that idea. I like that ethos, Mark. Very good. Um, we of course be back next week with uh, the one with the giant poking device. Which yep. I'll be honest with you, Mark. When I looked at the season breakdown and did the you know like you know he loves me, he loves me not style thing of working out who does what episode, I was very jealous when I realised that was going to be your episode. Oh, why is that? Because it's a classic. I mean, it is. It's just I was like, oh. Mark, Mark got that one. Like, in fact, I feel like I might go through the rest of the seasons and work out like who's getting the better episodes. Because if you get, if you get, I take the Rachel, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to suck. <laughs> yeah, because I had quite a few good episodes uh, so far this season. Yeah, I get the one with the thumb. <laughs> you get, I take the Rachel. I'm like, great. <laughs> uh, and certainly, there's going to be many tangents for for next week with the one with the poking device because I'm sure you'll describe to us how, you know, it's physically impossible to use chopsticks to reach that far. Would I, would I use science to ruin comedy, Mark? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it's like... to ruin comedy. It's just a tangent that, that fills out the world a bit more. I mean, I don't have any stories about poking people across buildings with sticks, so... Well, yeah. that, that's good. Not yet, anyway. Maybe <laughs> in the, you know, the next week I might do. Oh, uh, I'm going to skip past that challenge accepted <laughs> but we set you guys a challenge and that is to join our patreon isn't it mark that sounds like the best challenge only the the bestest people can live up to that challenge yep and then we can live up to the challenge of bringing you more amazing content that's not like an infomercial well no that's know. that's the point of it like if you listen to all the other podcasts we're, we're i like to think we're a little bit casual with the patreon advert but no you should join uh so we can bring you more like we do this all for free and you're listening to us right now and hopefully you're enjoying it and you're hopefully subscribed so yeah you know challenge yourself can you can you join the the one pound tier or are you going to go for the the five pound tier or even the the 20 pound tier you know like how much challenge are you going to put in to to see how far you can go and yeah and if you can't accept that challenge because we understand times are financially tough right now accept the challenge of leaving us some feedback or getting in touch because we do like it um I received some in-person feedback this week, Mark. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, so, so, so did the fan run up to you and hug you? He didn't, but <laughs> but he did give me... He, he brought it up a couple of times. So, uh, And his feedback was that Jess was great and we should get Jess on more often. I definitely agree. Yeah, uh, yeah I think, um, you know, as we record this, that episode has only just gone live. Uh, so. Yeah. We, I've not seen any feedback come in, uh, but it doesn't mean there won't be feedback. But yeah, I think having Jess on was absolutely great. I'd love to have Jess to come on many more episodes, mainly just for the fact that she knows more about Friends than, than you do or I do. Yeah, that is fair. Um, we have another guest in, in the pipeline um, who is easily on a par with Jessica for insane levels of friend knowledge. So that could be exciting. Um, so what you're saying is we should just get them two together to record the episodes and we can just sit back with our um, non-Patreon money, I guess. Uh, those two having a face-off in a quiz on Patreon is going to be the easiest episode of this podcast we will ever, ever make. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely do that. It, it would 
be a very long one because we should do a, the, like a round robin style where the first person to get it wrong loses. Well, I, I jokingly suggested the episode to both of them separately and they both went, yes, like okay. immediately up for it. And I was like, this is going to be fun. And then can we also get one of our other friends in who says they really love Friends and watch Friends a lot, but don't? Yes. You should get him to write the questions. Okay. <laughs> It'd be like, in which city is it set? <laughs> oh, what what colour skin does uh, the wife have? And what colour hair do they have? Is it tall hair? Like, Ross has a sister. What is her name? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing he doesn't listen to the podcast. We check our butts. Yep. But yeah, I know that book kicking revelation. I guess it's time to say goodbye. It is. Thank you very much for listening once again. We look forward to seeing you next week. Cheerio. Goodbye.